Welcome to the Slam Radio Podcast, featuring TMA with Nick Hamilton, Extra Dose. This is TMA with Nick Hamilton. Wake your goat mouth ass up. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't know what this is coming down through the audience, but look like he just came out of the basement. TMA with Nick Hamilton. You know what I'm saying? Thank you because because now. Now we bring on our buddy Nick Hamilton. Ladies and gents, welcome to another edition of TMA with Nick Hamilton here. On Sirius XM, Slam Radio 145, I'm your host, Nick Hamilton. Make sure you follow me on all things social media at Nick Hamilton LA. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you may be on this planet. Hope everybody had a good weekend and a great start to the week. Yes, indeed. You know why I am I am happy. It is a good day because I have 52 reasons why the Alabama Crimson Tide are the best in college football. In case you missed Monday night's affair, Goodness gracious, it wasn't even a game. Yes, it was a nice little battle in, in, in about the first quarter, quarter and a half. And then Alabama decided, you know what? Okay, it's time for us to play our style of football and make sure we send Ohio State back the losers that they were. And Alabama accomplished just that. Let me tell you something. Devontae Smith, he is absolutely top five NFL draftee. If he isn't drafted, by the fifth pick, something is absolutely wrong. This kid is dynamite. He is sensational. He continues to impress. He played about, uh, I would say, two and a half quarters before he unfortunately injured his fingers. Uh, when he had to be, he was in the tent for about almost 30 minutes in the tent on the sidelines before he was uh, walked off to the uh, back room where the training room was, and then we pretty much figured out, okay, he was listed as questionable, which pretty much means you're not coming back. And they really didn't need him to come back because Mac Jones was absolutely sensational. Uh, He finished 36 of 45 for 464 yards through five TDs. That's right, five TDs. Uh, Najee Harris had three TDs, two rushing uh, TDs, where he had 22 carries for 79 yards. And he also had... Uh, seven receptions for 79 yards and a TD, a receiving TD. Listen, Nick Saban has got to be the greatest football coach of all time. Yes, I said it. The greatest college football coach of all time. The man has seven national titles and and showing no signs of slowing down anytime soon. That's the problem for some. It's a great thing if you're in Alabama and if you're a Crimson Tide fan – you want Nick Saban to continue until he's 80, much like how we saw, you know, um, God rest his soul, the Penn State, uh, Joe Paterno, you know, coaching to his his twilight years. Um, you want to see Nick Saban continue on coaching as long as he desires to coach, as long as he has the fire and, and the hunger to coach. You want Nick Saban at Alabama at all costs. And I know the, the alum, I know a couple of alum, uh, definitely want him to remain there i mean hell they put a statue next to the great bear bryant what does that tell you the man is still living (laughs) nick saban is the guy alabama is going to continue on they're just going to reload they're not going to fall off anytime soon now hopefully we get a more balanced and regulated college football schedule 
in for the 2021 season. Uh, hopefully COVID will not have to interfere um, with, with conferences playing games. I mean, we saw what happened in the Big Ten. Obviously, Ohio State was the best out of the Big Ten uh, being 6-0, and but it still wasn't enough. And they had to stop and start games. And I think that interrupted Justin Fields' flow when it came to his quarterbacking skills because I do not doubt him being – I put this out on Twitter uh, on Monday night, and I said, you know, despite what the game looks like, Justin Fields is really going to be – a, a, a really good quarterback in the National Football League, especially if he lands in the right spot where he can sit down for a year, really absorb the, the, the playbook, really understand the NFL uh, way of life to make sure that he's able to really be comfortable in that system. And I think if you could get a kid like that, and, and we'll talk about this uh, more in depth with our guests coming up in the next segment, but my proposal has always been if you're the Atlanta Falcons, and you're drafting at four, Justin Fields is going to be on the board. Why not take him? Arthur Blank already came out and said that, hey, you know what? Everybody's expendable, including Matt Ryan and Julio Jones. Now, if I have a choice to pick between Matt Ryan and Julio Jones as far as who's more expendable, I'm going to lean more towards Matt Ryan. But if you're smart, you hold on to Matt Ryan for another year. I do believe that uh, Julio Jones has some shelf life left in him. I, I, I love him and Calvin Ridley. I hope he becomes he gets healthier for next for next season, and we can really see what those two can do on the field uh, as a unit. So it'll be interesting to see what the Falcons do at, at the number four pick. But hey, listen, Atlanta, Black City haven't had a black quarterback since Michael Vick. Justin Fields checks all the boxes. Great kid, great character. You may want to look at Justin Fields as four. Just saying. You need you need a, you need to build for the future there, Arthur. You need a build for the future. And Justin Fields can definitely be the future. I call him, I call him Russell Wilson 2.0. And he's just that. And again, I know people want to criticize him and they want to look at it. And you know he finished on Monday night, uh 17th for 33, 194 yards, one TD. Uh he, he there were some pockets where he struggled. Uh, he got popped again. He was feeling that injury. Um, but I, I like Justin Fields. I think there are two potentially great quarterbacks in this draft. One happens to be Trevor Lawrence, who I think is a generational quarterback. I think he is a more athletic, more gifted, and more talented Big Ben. Um, if you want to you know, compare names, I think once he puts on a little bit more weight and people are like, oh, he's too thin, he's too skinny. Well, guess what? You're getting paid to work out. This is now going to be your full-time job as being a quarterback of a franchise, more than likely to be the Jacksonville Jaguars. You don't think having the best nutritionist, having the best chefs, he's going to pick up at least 10 to 15 pounds? Of course he is. So he can sustain the hits. Now, again, whoever's going to be Trevor Lawrence's agent or his team, do not let this man cut his hair. Do not. There is a head and shoulders commercial waiting. This is free game I'm giving you. But I wouldn't mind if you cut me, you know, 5% of the little head and shoulders deal check. You can send it this way. I wouldn't be mad at you. But this is a kid that can definitely be a face of your franchise. And you and potentially Urban Meyer may be the next head coach, which is why it makes sense. We saw him at the game where Clemson and Ohio State were. It made sense. 
Yes, we know he's a former Ohio State head coach, but he was also eyeing Trevor Lawrence because that's going to be potentially his quarterback of the future and his quarterback of the team as the Jags are going to draft number one overall in the 2021 NFL draft. So it makes sense. It makes complete sense. And Urban Meyer, it's going to be interesting to see if he does get the job in Jacksonville. Hey, how is he going to adjust to NFL life? But I think the more spectacular move is not just having Urban Meyer the name, but having the coordinators that are attached to Urban Meyer. Because as we all know, Urban Meyer doesn't stay anywhere for a long period of time. He likes to bounce around. He likes to move. He's like a shark in water. He got to constantly be moving. So it'd be interesting, interesting rather to see what happens with that. But getting back to the Alabama game, woo, roll tide, loving it. And the dynasty is far from over. It is just beginning. Because I can see Alabama next year in the national championship. If all things go well and everybody stays healthy. Yikes. Yikes. That's all I'm going to say. Yikes. And it'll be great to see what teams will emerge. I think the Power Five conferences will be at full strength. I'd love to see a full season in the Big Ten, the the Big 12, the ACC, the Pac-12. Um, I, I think the Pac-12 really got shafted. Uh, I think they got the short end of the stick because we really didn't, really didn't get a chance to see what the Pac-12 could do because of COVID, because games had to be canceled. So you had an Oregon team that had about four or five wins go in there and get shellacked by Iowa State team that had about eight and probably, I think they played about, I think, nine or ten games. So they had a you know had an advantage as far as you know the ability to play. And I'm not making excuses for the Pac-12, but they can only do what they can do. I mean, this is a team that this is a conference rather that started late because of COVID. Um, we didn't know a whole lot about what was going to potentially happen. And and to be fair, we still really don't know what's going to happen when it comes uh to COVID and the in the aftermath of it long-term three to five years from now for guys that have caught COVID, unfortunately. We don't know the long-term health risk. So I can't really blame the Pac-12 or the Big Ten Conference for playing it safe better than sorry. And a lot of these other conferences where guys have gotten COVID, guess who they're going to sue? They're not going to sue the head coaches. They're going to sue the universities. They're going to sue the conferences. Head coaches are going to be in the clear because probably most of them will be gone anywhere. I'll be rotating around different different uh universities so it doesn't really matter but congratulations nonetheless to the alabama crimson tide they had probably one of the toughest championships to accomplish in all of professional probably all of professional sports i would say number number one b will probably be will probably be the nba because of the bubble and you know, all they had to go through with that bubble that bubble was like that bubble was like prison or house arrest they couldn't go anywhere. You know how mentally taxing that is when you can't just go where you want to go? That's that's draining. So imagine young guys, young dudes, they can't really go around campus the way they want to. I mean, think about it. The Alabama Crimson Tide, when their coach had COVID, not once but twice, and still remained undefeated. 
go to South Beach. They go to Miami to play a national championship game, and they can't even celebrate. They can't go to Fountain Blue. They can't go to the beach to go to go party and celebrate. They can't do nothing. They got to go back to the hotel room and kick it and chill. Maybe have a virtual party. Maybe maybe they can hit Prime One Twelve. They spread them out. If they close down Prime One Twelve and spread everybody out. You know that's not a bad consolation prize. I heard Prime One Twelve is the business. I still want to go there. But all in all, you can't do what you would normally do. Look at what LSU could do last year with Joe Burrow. They can't do that. They can't even do a fraction of that without worrying about catching COVID, especially in Florida. Because Florida act like COVID don't exist. You got some lawmakers down there that don't really have, they act like they got a fifth grade education. They want to act like they are, they're above COVID. Like they're superior over COVID. No, that's been proven wrong. But I'm just saying, I feel bad for the Alabama Crimson Tide because they their players can't even celebrate the way they really want to celebrate. But hey, man, hats off to Devontae Smith, who was the offensive MVP of the national championship. Hats off to Najee Harris. Hats off to Mac Jones in the defense. Patrick Sertan, who's probably going to be a top 10, top 15 pick. Many people think he may go to the Dallas Cowboys. Lord knows they need a corner. He'd be perfect for them. So you hire Dan Quinn as your, as your defensive coordinator. That ought to be interesting to see. The Eagles fired Doug Peterson. No surprises there. Too much turmoil. Carson Wentz probably went and complained to Jeffrey Laurie, the owner. But do you still hang on to Carson Wentz, even if you're a new head coach coming into the Philadelphia Eagles organization? I don't think you do. I think Carson Wentz is done in Philly. I think you ship him on. UPS, I'm a FedEx him on up out of town. They can get another head coach. You get a new quarterback, figure it out, move forward, try to rebuild. So I think they have great ownership in Philly. I, I like Jeffrey Laurie. I, I like the ownership in Philadelphia with the Eagles. I think they'll figure out a way to bounce back. In a couple of years, they'll be back. Playoff, they'll be serious playoff contenders. But it's a rebuild. They got to face facts. So it'll be interesting to see. It really will. But I am happy, boy. I'm going to be drinking all week long. I'm going to be drinking during a commercial break, quiet as kept. But don't tell anybody. Anyway. Coming up on the other side of the break, we have a uh, journalist and reporter Terrell Thomas from These Urban Times to break down some NFL action as well as what will happen with the Atlanta Falcons moving forward. What's going on with Trey Young and the NBA and the Atlanta Hawks? All that and more coming up on the other side of the break. You're checking out TMA with Nick Hamilton here on Sirius XM Slam Radio 145. Yo, what's up? Baby, let's go. This is Tua Tungle by Lowen. Yo, Sway Calloway. This is Spice Adams. This is Michael, the playmaker everywhere. What's up? This is Grok, and you're listening to Slam, Slam Radio. Radio. Serious XM. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right, y'all. Welcome back to TMA with Nick Hamilton here on Serious XM Slam Radio 145. Make sure you hit me up on all things social media at Nick Hamilton LA. I got a special guest in the house. This man is the CEO, the founder, and content creator of these urban times one of the flyest uh or, you know network sites out here in the in the blogosphere in the web in the web sphere whatever you want to call it this man does does it all he's one of the hardest working journalists out here gets all the great information to you um does a great job i don't know when this man sleeps i don't know if he sleeps at all but we'll find that out in more please help <laughs> me welcome 
from these urban times terrell thomas what's going on terrell how you doing man hey nick how you doing today sir uh, great to be sitting down and talking sports with you as always i appreciate you having me on i love everything you're doing on the west coast and all across america uh, so it's great to sit down and talk some sports with you sir hey i appreciate that man i see what you're doing out there in the south and on the east and in and throughout the nation man you 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 definitely causing ripple effects man so you know salute to you as well man thank you for joining me here on the program so i want to get right into it uh we had a, a, a slew for the wild card games and in and, and football games over the course of the weekend on saturday and sunday thank you to the nfl for having three games every day of the weekend <laughs> yeah, to keep dope. us company uh <laughs> throughout what's going on uh to me the, the i think i think the biggest story outside of the national championship would be the steelers and the browns game uh, that was featured on Sunday. That was a, a, a truly, for some, a surprise. For many of us that paid attention, not really. Uh, the Steelers started out 11-0. I always said they were probably the worst 11-0 team I've ever seen. Uh, they end up finishing their season at 1-5, including Sunday's loss against Baker Mayfield and the, and the Cleveland Browns. What did you make of that game? Were you surprised at the score? Because when I looked up, it was 28-0. Um they, they were getting the Krispy Kreme award before halftime. What did you see? <laughs> um, I, I was not surprised with the results. However, I was surprised with the score. Um, when I did my predictions for the game to t- uh, take place th- uh, this past weekend, I had the Cleveland Browns uh, beating the Pittsburgh Steelers, but I had it being a much closer game. I had 20 to 17. I thought it was going to be something more like a late uh, field goal in the fourth quarter to kind of give Cleveland the edge. Um, but as you mentioned, um, watching the Steelers for the past few weeks, I never believed in them, quite honestly. I never believed in them, even when they were going undefeated. I thought that uh, they were they were they took advantage of their situation. Granted, you know everyone was dealing with COVID and with health protocols, so I don't want to say that uh, it was a result of, of of COVID because everyone across the league was dealing with it. But just something about that 11, uh, 11 and 0 seemed a little fraudulent to me. I, I I didn't believe in it. They didn't seem like a complete team. And uh, as you mentioned, once again, I think uh, towards the end of the season, when teams really started to buckle down and make their playoff pushes, we were able to see that Pittsburgh wasn't that typical Pittsburgh still curtain, heavy defense, heavy run game that we've known uh, come to know over the past few years. Yeah, I said the Pittsburgh Steelers were monopoly money. Um, They were they were not they were not believable. If you if you outside of Pittsburgh, you know, Steeler Nation, um, I didn't I didn't think this team was worth at the price that they were advertised. Um, and they have a lot of problems now. They have a lot of questions. You look at Mike Tomlin and his play calling on fourth and one at midfield and decided, you know what, I'm going to punt it when you're already trailing. Um, no guts, no glory. That's what it seemed like. And I, I think Mike Tomlin is a phenomenal coach. I mean, he's the only coach that has not had a losing season since his in his tenure, which is amazing to me. Um, but still doesn't warrant, does not, not want uh, criticism when it comes to his coaching style. And then I look at Mike, uh Marquise Pouncey uh you look at uh you know Big Ben they both have one year left on their deals Juju Smith-Schuster is now a free agent do they bring him back uh what do you see happening moving forward with the Pittsburgh Steelers you know it's pretty it's pretty funny because uh around week 13 or 14 when it appeared that the New York Jets would have a number one overall pick um I was kind of saying that the Steelers should try to make a trade in the offseason for Sam Darnold I definitely feel as though they they do need a younger presence uh, uh, from the quarterback position in the locker room. Big Ben has been phenomenal in his career, but um, humbly, in my opinion, I believe you know those days are over. Those days are over. 
we, we saw he looked like a statue sitting back in that pocket. He couldn't really move. Um, yes, uh, on, um, excuse me, on, on game day, he threw, I believe, for over 500 yards during uh, the game on Sunday, but four interceptions and just not being able to really lead his team down the field when they needed it said a whole lot to me about the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, Juju, I'm kind of up in the air about. I do feel as though Pittsburgh also has a lot of weapons at the wide receiver position. We've seen what Claypool has done uh, th this season. I think he's a, a dominant number one receiver if given the opportunity. Um, so it may be time for Juju to uh, pack up and you know take his TikTok dances elsewhere. He can still be serviceable. I think I think Juju is an underrated talent. Um, I do think some of the off the field things are just you know nothing bad, but just the, we hear a lot of attention because he's dancing on logos and things. I think people get that get sidetracked it and they don't realize how good of a wide receiver he is. Of course, when Antonio Brown left, folks were saying Juju's not the number one. Attention will be taken off of him. But I think if you uh, put Juju in the right situation, he can definitely uh, excel again. So as you mentioned, a lot of questions in Pittsburgh, but they're no strangers to retooling quickly. Um, so I think a younger quarterback, possibly once again trading for a quarterback who's already slightly seasoned, bringing him into the uh, Steelers locker room could be great. and We could see them right back in the mix. Yeah, I like that idea about trading for Sam Darnold. I think that might be an upgrade for them, especially like you said. Sometimes I think Sam Darnold may need a change of scenery somewhere that's not as much pressure as the New York market likes to be. Um, so I think that might be that might be an option for him. When you look at the Cleveland Browns and Baker Mayfield, I, I've always liked Baker Mayfield. I like his attitude. You know, people like to harp, you know, harp on him for, as far as having too many commercials, call him Peyton Manning Jr. You know, every time you turn around, he got commercials up at Wazoo, which he's supposed to. That's that's the nature of the business. But it doesn't take anything away from his on the field play. And I think he played phenomenal uh the, in the last four games leading up into the playoff uh he's been playing really really well especially not having obj as his other you know uh receiver so uh the first playoff win since 1994 i mean baker was so young he he don't even remember holding a football that's how that was the last time browns won a playoff game what does that say for the, the cleveland browns moving forward and what do you see them against the kansas city chiefs now i was i was extremely happy for uh, cleveland browns fans you know the dog pound uh, as you mentioned, uh, they haven't won a playoff game since 94. And although they've been having losing season after losing season after losing season, um, one of the most dedicated and loyal fan bases in all of sports, just not the NFL. So congratulations for, to the Cleveland Browns on achieving that. Uh, Cleveland has impressed me throughout the, the year, though. Uh, I'm also with you on uh, I'm a fan of Baker Mayfield. I'm, I'm more a fan of his grit and his, uh, his grind. Uh, I, I've seen a lot of development in his game over the past two seasons, and I think with having having Coach Stefanski as as their head coach now, I think that helped his game tremendously. I also think uh, folks don't get a chance or, or really pay attention to but that. That is a very, very, very talented roster on offense and defense. Mm -hmm. A lot of young players who are now coming into their own. So they can make some noise. However, I, I think Kansas City is just a different beast. I think Kansas City is a different beast. Now, to say that, if there is a team that could go into Kansas City and beat the Chiefs, I think that we should pay attention to the Browns because they have two dynamic running backs in Kareem Hunt, who formerly played for the Chiefs. So he knows that system and knows what they want to do very well. And also Nick Chubb. So if you want to run that ground and pound game and kind of keep the ball away from Patrick Mahomes, I think the the, the Browns have a great opportunity in doing so. I still like the Chiefs. I like the Chiefs uh, in that matchup, but I think it'll be a lot closer than what people believe. I believe it's about a ten point spread right now. Um, the Chiefs are ten point underdogs, but I, I'm, excuse me, the Browns are ten point underdogs. But I think they'll make it a game. I think they will make it a game this upcoming weekend.
Yeah, I mean, you bring you bring in valid points. I think you know with the running game, uh, the Chiefs' defense is not the best defense uh, in the league, so they they have issues, they have holes, they have gaps. So it's going to be very interesting. But I, I I'm I'm going to have to say it. Turn out the lights. The <laughs> Cleveland party's over. <laughs> Going to Arrowhead, baby. It's it's a different beast. Pat Mahomes is showing what he can do. Even look at the Texans game when he was down 24, I think it was 24 nothing or something to that degree. And he came back and opened up a fresh can of whoop ass on them. So I think it I think it's gonna be a, a probably it's, it's gonna be uh a Kansas City result. But speaking of the best defense, to me, I think that people are not really paying attention to is the Los Angeles Rams and that defense led by Aaron Donald, Leonard Floyd, uh and and, and Jalen Ramsey and those guys. Uh, have done a phenomenal job. I know they were they were the underdogs going up into Seattle uh, against Russell Wilson, a team they face now for the third time uh, in in this season. And let me tell you something: there was a lot of questions about who's going to be under center and who was going to be available on the offensive end, but there were no questions about that defense. And, and 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 what did you see in that game? And how far do you think this Rams team could go, especially now they're going to face the Green Bay Packers? I actually, uh, believe it or not, I, I, I thought that Seattle was going to come out with the victory in that game. For some reason, I thought the, the Seahawks just had the Rams number. I was very, very impressed with what Coach McVay, uh, had, had the, the game plan Coach McVay has set out for his team. As you mentioned, that defense is phenomenal. Uh, Florida State fan, love Florida State. Jalen Ramsey's been doing his thing in the secondary since being added to the Rams. And as you mentioned, with, with a player like uh, Aaron Donald, possibly in one of the one of the greatest defensive players of this generation, one of the greatest defensive players that we've ever seen. You can never count those cats out. Uh, so I, I was very impressed on what the Rams did. I, I expected to see a, a slightly more from their offense. Uh, I was impressed with Cam Aker, another Seminole, who turned up. And I, I think uh, the, the, I think Rams fans will now get to see the best of Cam Akers. I think the Cam Akers that a lot of people were looking to see throughout the season. Um, so I, I think I honestly think the Rams are the most dangerous team remaining in the postseason. Yeah, I tend to agree. I mean, you said the explosiveness of Cam Akers, but also to the return of Andrew Whitworth, who I think was huge back, back, for that, that O-line for him to be able to open up those holes and, and create those gaps. And, and for such a young guy, Cam Akers is such a patient and persistent runner. And I think that goes on. That gets thrown under the blanket sometimes where we don't give him his flowers for be for being that persistent and being that patient to be such a rookie running back. Um, and especially him performing in his very first playoff ever and, and still a hostile environment, not with the 12th man, obviously in attendance, but Seattle's never an easy place to play. Um, and now, now they have a bigger challenge in Green Bay facing against the, to me, the MVP of the league and Aaron Rodgers um, go in, in that Green Bay offense. But damn it, that Green Bay offense has never seen a defense like the Los Angeles Rams. Um, we, uh, I had a chance to speak with Sean McVay on Sunday, and he was just letting us know that, hey, Cooper Cup does have bursitis of the knee. He's going to be listed as day to day. But uh, there was an injury uh, that occurred in the Seattle game with Aaron Donald. Uh, with his rib, but he's listed as day to day. He said Aaron is, is ready to practice this week. Uh, they're gonna, you know, continue to monitor him throughout the week, make sure he's right, uh, especially going into that cold climate. Because man, breathing it when you got a rib injury is no joke. Um, and then they're gonna be looking at, you know, obviously John Wolford, who got a neck stinger. Fortunately, he wasn't put in a concussion protocol, so he'll be available this week uh, in practice. Um, you know, golf is gonna be ready, but you know, in that cold weather, having those pins in that thumb, buddy. You're going to feel the cold weather, even if it ain't snowing. And uh, the, uh, McVay also said they're going to add a third quarterback uh, to the roster just in case. 
unlike okay. they did the previous week. So that should be interesting to see uh, how that comes about. But I want to talk a little bit about your end uh, in the ATL, you being the king of the ATL when it comes to what's going on in the world of sports and entertainment. Um, the Atlanta Falcons, now we know they're going to draft uh, at the fourth spot, I believe, in the NFL draft this yep. year. Um, there are a lot of question marks. Arthur Blank came out and said, you know what? Everybody's expendable. Matty Ice, Julio Jones, everybody's expendable. That's what it takes to turn this franchise around. They're look, obviously looking for a new head coach uh, along with a new general manager. Have you heard anything as far as what is the latest going on with the Atlanta Falcons and their coaching and ge general manager search? Well, I know they've been, they've been doing their due diligence and uh, conducting virtual interviews for both positions, for the general manager spot and the head coaching position. Um, but that's still currently up in the air. As you mentioned, uh, uh, Arthur Blank has come out. He was very disappointed in, in uh, the Falcons' results this season. Of course, earlier in the season, former uh, Falcons head coach Dan Quinn was fired. Uh, they had interim coach Raheem Morris uh, serving in for, i say, maybe about 10 games, I, I believe it was, if I'm not mistaken, about 10, 10 games in the season. He also interviewed for the position. I don't believe that he will get it. Uh, I think the Falcons are looking to move in the direction of a, a younger coach, a uh, 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 more creative offense. Um, me personally, I, I would love to see Lewis Riddick here uh, from from the GM perspective. Uh, of course, uh, for those who don't know, he is a gentleman that does uh, NFL anal analyst. He's an NFL analyst on ESPN. He's also been a former uh, executive in the NFL. Uh, he seems like a cat that would be, be perfect to come down here uh, in, in Atlanta and shake, shake things up. Uh, I would also, uh, if I was, if I was the Falcons, me personally, for every position, uh, every coaching position that's open, I want Eric Bieniemy to get the job. So I've been saying the Falcons should look at Bieniemy. Um, news broke, uh, news broke on Monday uh, about the Philadelphia Eagles and uh, Doug Peterson being fired. So I've, I've already heard some speculations that the Falcons want to talk to Peterson and uh, uh, see see what's on his mind and see if he has any interest in coming in here. So that'll be something to look out for as well. But uh, the Falcons, they're, they're going in a new direction. They, they, they'll, they don't have a, a couple dollars to spend, not much in salary cap because of the two players that you mentioned in Matt Ryan and Julio Jones. Um, so they're going to have to get younger via the draft. Uh, so it, it, it's, it is a new day for the Falcons franchise, and I'm very interested to see the direction in which they want to go. But uh, Arthur Blank is still making his decisions on who he'll have as the new lead man here for the Atlanta Falcons. Yeah, I would love to see Lewis Riddick uh, be a GM for the Falcons. I think he checks off a lot of boxes. And also, too, Atlanta being a black city and you have a black general manager, um, I think that that, sell, that that speaks volumes to the, the need that has been going on as far as the lack of opportunities for black and minority co uh, upper management positions, uh, as well as coaches and coordinators. So I think that's a good one. I, I do like uh, I like Robert Salah. I, I would love to see Robert Salah probably have that job in, in, in Atlanta. Right there. I like that. Um, I like that. That's good. You know, Doug Peterson wouldn't be bad either because he's a Super Bowl winning coach. Um, yeah, he's had some 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 bad years. I mean, but at the same time, I do think sometimes a change of scenery could be the difference maker. Um, but what do you think about Justin Fields being drafted by the Falcons? Because that's something I, I, I thought about. That's I, I love that. I've been kind of advocating for that uh, here as well. Justin Fields is a, is a Georgia boy or he's a Georgia kid. He grew up from right outside of the Atlanta area. Um, he also started his collegiate career at the University of Georgia. Things didn't work out there. And that's why he ended up transferring 
uh, to Ohio State to be a member of the Buckeyes. So this is this is his backyard. I know that I know things can get kind of funny uh, when you have professional athletes playing in their backyard. But I think uh, that, that young man comes from a good family. He has his head on his shoulders straight. I don't think he'll fall for too many distractions that can come with any city or especially a city like Atlanta. Um, I, and I, I think he would fit well. I think he would fit very well for the culture. As you mentioned, Atlanta is a predominantly African-American city. So having an African-American quarterback again, we know we know all about the success that Michael Vick had here, uh, you know, during his time as a, as a member of the Atlanta Falcons. I think Justin Fields is a maybe not as elusive of Vick, of course, but I, I definitely think he's a, a better passer, not as uh, – Vic came out with that, you know, strong arm. But I think uh, Fields will fit in here perfectly. And I actually hope that the Falcons do go ahead and draft him at number four. Maybe give give him a chance to sit for a year. Maybe Matt Ryan has one more year here with the Falcons to kind of groom Fields. And uh, then maybe you part ways with, uh, with, with Matt Ryan the following season and, and let Fields do his thing. What do you see happening? Because I know Julio Jones maybe has about two, two more years left for shelf life as far as what he can really produce. Uh, do you flip him? Uh, to try to get some draft picks or try to get some, you know, some veteran players maybe on the defensive end if you can? To be fair, if I was the GM, and uh, granted, this will be a new GM coming in, so he may not want to be fair. He may just look to keep, the, you know, his best chess pieces on the board. But I think to be fair to Julio Jones, I think maybe it, it is time for Julio to move on, maybe trade him to a franchise in which he has an opportunity to win. Now, granted, once again, that's not the new GM's job. The new GM's job is not to, you know, provide the player with an opportunity to win elsewhere. He wants the player to win here. I know Julio Jones has voiced on several occasions that he is an Atlanta Falcon. He wants to retire in Atlanta Falcon. This is the team he wants to play for, for, you know, the, the entirety of his career. He's involved with a lot of other things here uh, in, in Atlanta. Uh, of course, he's a he's a, a, a private investor in QC, the label. He has, you know, he has so many things going on here in, in, in the city of of Atlanta, but I, I just honestly I don't think that the Atlanta Falcons in the next two years uh, will be contending for a Super Bowl championship, and that may be Julio's window. His window may be the next two years, as you mentioned, or so. So, uh, of course, that decision will be up to a GM. I still do believe he is uh, one of the top receivers in the league, maybe not top five anymore, just because he you know he's been injured. Damn sure, still top ten with top five talent. Uh, but I, I think it may be time to let Julio go. But I think that should be a decision that both Julio and whoever the new GM is, that they sit down and talk, see the directions in which both of them are looking to move. One moving, uh, Julio move his career, and the GM what direction he wants to move the Falcons organization and take it from there. Uh, I would keep Julio here, uh, especially uh, if you if you do draft a quarterback such as Justin Fields, just to even have that leadership uh, here. But it may be time for for Julio to 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 go. Hey, man, you know what? But if he does stay, you got Justin Fields, who I'll call Russell Wilson 2.0, and he does get a chance to play with guys like Calvin Ridley and Julio Jones, and and, and if they can build a better running game. Because I like Ty Gurley, but I don't think Ty Gurley is enough to get it done. Um, I, I, I think the Falcons could be back on their way, at least, you know, playoff content, serious playoff contenders. But we'll find out. Really quick before I let you go, uh, speaking of Atlanta, the Hawks, I mean, Trey Young, my goodness gracious. I mean, you talk about, you know, Russell Wilson 2.0. I mean, that's Steph Curry 2.0 in my book. I mean, they, this kid is really burning it up. I know he doesn't get a lot of press um, because the NBA season is still fairly you know, new. But what have you seen from Trey Young that's impressed you so far? Uh, well, the Hawks started off very impressive to start the season. Uh, they started off with a record of one and four and since have actually been on a four game losing streak. And it's, uh, it's leaving a lot of us with questions on what do the Hawks need to do? Uh, Trey Young has been phenomenal in his two previous seasons. This is year three. Uh 
a new roster pretty much. They flipped a lot of players and, and added a lot of free agents during the offseason. Bogdan Bondanovich, uh, formerly played for the Sacramento Kings. Uh, Dallinello uh, Gallinari is here. He's been injured. Uh, Rajon Rondo is now here. Tony Snell is now here. Uh, Clint Capella has actually been able to get on the court for the first time uh, this season. They acquired him last season, but due to injury, you know, he wasn't able to really get on the court. So the Hawks are still finding their way. Um, but as you mentioned, Trey Young is a phenomenal young talent uh, with phenomenal scoring abilities. I'm looking to see how he facilitates a lot, a lot, uh, a lot more for his teammates because he has so many other scoring weapons now. Uh, we've seen John Collins' game grow a lot. I'm liking what I've seen in the play of DeAndre Hunter and in Cam Reddish. Uh, but Trey Young is their leader. He's their All Star. He's their MVP. Uh, he's the heart that keeps that body moving. Uh, so I'm interested to see exactly uh, where Trey takes his takes his game this season. In his first five games, he was averaging damn near 37 points a night. And his last few games has been about 22, 23. Um, it, 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 again, it seems like the Hawks are looking to find themselves. Uh, but I'm, I'm a I'm a big fan of that young man. Uh, you know, even being a reporter, I, I love what he's what he, the energy in which he's brought to Atlanta, uh, the excitement in which he's added to State Farm Arena when fans are and have been allowed into the games. And uh, I think the best is yet to come, of course, for Trey Young. He's still he's still learning. He's still growing out there on the court. Still very young. Uh, he's about 23 years old. Uh, but phenomenal talent. It's funny you called him Steph. I, I look at him as, as being a blend of Steph Curry and Steve Nash. Uh, I, I look okay. at him being a, a combo of, of those two players. And uh, if he can find a happy medium between those, I think we'll see for the next 15 years a, a, a all-star, perennial all-star talent here in Atlanta. Absolutely, man. Very well said. Very well put. The one and only Terrell Thomas from these Urban Times. Please let everybody know where they can continue to find your great work, sir. Uh, you can check us out, as Nick, as Nick mentioned, at TheseUrbanTimes.com. You can also follow us on social media, uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at TheseUrbanTimes. And you can check me out personally uh, at Eldorado2452 on Instagram and Twitter, man. It's a pleasure to shit and chat with you, good sir. Hey, man, I appreciate your time, man. One of the busiest guys in the media world do, does a phenomenal job. Thank you so much, and we'll definitely be talking with you soon. Thank you, man. Peace and blessings. Take care of yourself. Hey, thanks a lot, man. Coming up on the other side of the break, we were talking about Deshaun Watson. Does he strongly have a case against the Houston Texans? And will he remain in Houston? And for if so, for how long? All that and more. And also, I'll be getting into my editorial, my three cents, the two Americas that we live in. Is it justified? Is it real? Or is it something a figment of our imagination? We'll get into that and more on the other side of the break. You're checking out TMA with Nick Hamilton here on Sirius XM Slam Radio 145. This is Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. All right, everybody, welcome back to TMA with Nick Hamilton here on Sirius XM Slam Radio 145. Make sure you hit me up on all things social media at Nick Hamilton LA. Uh, I'd like to thank my guest that was on the previous segment, Terrell Thomas from these Urban Times. If you missed any portion of that segment, make sure you, you download, subscribe to me on all streaming platforms. That's uh, iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, all for free 99. All right, y'all. So let's get into it. I, I talked about earlier before we went to break Deshaun Watson and his issues with the Houston Texans organization. Now, as we all know, Deshaun Watson signed a very huge deal and extension uh, last season to become basically their franchise quarterback. But then they started trading away pieces. Um, at that time, head coach Bill O'Brien became the general manager and made some goofy, uh, idiotic deals 
that allowed them to be put in a hole and be financially strapped for at least the next couple of years. Eventually, Bill O'Brien was fired. He was replaced with Romeo Cornell, who finished out the season. Um, you heard J.J. Watt complain about guys not showing up. One of those guys was not named Deshaun Watson, who we all know puts in the work, puts in the time and the effort to be the very best that he could be. And then he finally realized, you know what? I can't win squat with this crappy team, and I can't blame him. Because when you look at the overall Houston Texans, they are not built to be a championship contending team. They're not built to be a deep playoff team. They're only built to put butts in seats and to appease the Texans fans in the city of Houston to just make a playoff berth if possible. And then that's enough because they count the ticket sales and count the money at the end of the day. Now, Cal McNair, who is the Texans chairman and CEO um, of the Houston Texans, uh, he decides to hire Nick Casario as the general manager and did not talk to Deshaun Watson or even consult with Deshaun Watson before hiring Nick uh, Casario, which to me is a huge head scratcher and a huge red flag. Because when you look at what the Houston Texans are trying to accomplish and trying to do, I mean, think about this. They gave what they get. They received damaged goods from the Los Angeles Rams and flipped them for two second round picks, which turned into Cam Akers, who's, who's doing a phenomenal job this season. We saw how he ran all over the Seattle Seahawks last weekend is probably going to do some damage against the green bay packers this coming weekend and then van jefferson who's slowly coming along who's who's shown flashes of brilliance and flashes of extreme talent who i've always said eventually will take somebody's spot whether it's cooper cup or robert woods down the line but rest assured van jefferson is a true talent indeed the houston texans um they 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 flipped the pick End up getting Brandon Cooks, who I have a, a lot of respect for Brandon Cooks. He was a good guy while he was in Los Angeles, very approachable, uh, but very injury prone. Suffered, I, I believe it was one or two concussions during his time with the Rams. And that's very, you know, critical when it comes to the state of the health of your wide receiver. You got Will Fuller, who at times has bricks for hands. Running game is 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 horrible. The defense is a shadow of itself beyond J.J. Watt. So what really do you have to look forward to if you're Deshaun Watson? Then you go behind my back, don't even call me, text me, send me a, a pigeon message, and go ahead and hire a general manager? What does that say about me? If I'm supposed to be your franchise quarterback, the least you can do is consult with me. Now, I'm not saying that Deshaun Watson should hold any type of power or any type of privilege because he is the, the franchise quarterback, but do him a courtesy. Let him know that this is how franchise quarterbacks are treated. Do you honestly think if the Kansas City Chiefs and the Hunt family were making some type of major decision, they wouldn't consult with Pat Mahomes? Are you kidding me? Do you honestly think that the Pittsburgh Steelers would do a make a move without consulting Big Ben? Do you think the Seattle Seahawks? Would, consult, would not consult with Russell Wilson if they were making a major move just to even get an idea or even ask him the question? Of course they would, because that's what good franchises do. That's what winning franchises do. They want to keep their quarterbacks happy. Hell, I would not be surprised if the Baltimore Ravens would consult with Lamar Jackson on certain things. You know why? Because you want your quarterback, you want your star happy. Because a happy star is a productive star, ladies and gentlemen. That's what this is about. And Deshaun Watson wants out of Houston. And I can't blame him. Nobody should be mad 
Everybody, some people can have the argument, oh man, he's making hundreds of millions of dollars. Why is he complaining? He has every right to complain. The hell with the money. It's not about the money. It's about this man having a heart to compete for championships. We're always quick to criticize athletes and say, oh, they only care about money. They don't care about winning. And then you get an athlete that does care about winning, that does want to make sure that he's the best that he can be so his team can be the best that they can be. Then you criticize him too. You can't have it both ways, ladies and gentlemen. You cannot have it both ways. So there's no reason to criticize Deshaun Jackson. The criticism, the criticism should truly go to Cal McNair. That's where the criticism should go. The criticism should not go to anybody besides Cal McNair because he's the one that fumbled the ball on the one-yard line. He is the one that didn't consult with Deshaun Watson. Now Deshaun is done. I mean, you traded away, you let him trade away DeAndre Hopkins, which was his number one target. Then you mortgage the farm with the draft. What the hell is he, is he supposed to do? So then a report came out later on that he's willing to take a trade to the Miami Dolphins in exchange. I think it was Chris Mortensen that said that he was willing to uh, deal with the trade. He was willing to, to, to be traded. He's willing to be traded. Then I saw another report that said he's actually willing to make a trade with the Miami Dolphins for Tua Tagovailoa and a couple of draft picks, which I think that works perfectly because he's going to a franchise that's in the in the direction of trying to win. Now they had a fantastic season, even though they didn't, they didn't make the playoffs, but they still had a very fantastic season. The Miami Dolphins did. They really they made some strides. I think in a lot of areas, especially defensively. Uh, Brian Flores has done an incredible job on that defense. They're still growing offensively, but I think if you have a guy under center like Deshaun Watson with the weapons that they have on offense and they continue to build that offense up to being a deep playoff contender, I think that you have a winning formula. And I think the Miami Dolphins organization is a way better organization than the Houston Texans organization. And by the way, folks, it is South Beach. I don't think Deshaun, Deshaun Watson would be too unhappy in South Beach. I'm just going to throw that out there. So think about that for a change. Deshaun Watson, Miami Dolphins, Brian Flores, strong defense. And I think quiet is kept. I think J.J. Watt wants out. He just hasn't said it yet. But I wouldn't be surprised at some point. J.J. Watt is going to want out of Houston. Captain America himself. And why wouldn't he? He's given his his heart, blood, and soul to that team. And what has it produced? Not a damn thing. All right, y'all. It's time for my three cents where I talk about anything and everything in the world of sports, politics, pop culture, lifestyle, whatever it is. I'm going to talk about it. So recently, uh, we know about the events that pretty much put a black eye on our country as we saw these white extremists enter into our United States Capitol building, basically trespassing and and trashing the building, looting. And we all know the definition of looting, which is taking things that do not belong to you during a melee. And that's exactly what we saw. People taking, picking up the podium and taking it with them as if they, they were, you know, they came up on a, on a cell at, at, at Macy's. 
Um, we saw people putting feet on the desk of senators like uh, Nancy Pelosi and other people breaking into other senators' offices. Just lawlessness at its finest. And to add insult to injury, you have the United States Capitol Police Department officers actually aiding and abetting and helping these people get inside the Capitol. We saw an Oregon senator open up the door, a side door, to let these folks in. These were not protesters, ladies and gentlemen. These were actually domestic terrorists. We saw pictures of some of these people having, having zip ties. What the hell do you need a zip tie for if you're not planning to take people hostage and torture them? If that's your intent, because it seemed to be that was their intent. And it was all because of the actions, behavior and speeches of the U.S. president and Donald Trump. So recently, last week, I attended the Laker game against the San Antonio Spurs and they the, the teams, both teams locked arms at center court to show solidarity. Now, after the game, Anthony Davis and LeBron James spoke about the events that transpired in our country when it comes to um, what transpired at the U.S. Capitol last Wednesday, which was horrific, to say the least. And to me, I think for those people not to receive federal prison sentences is ridiculous. And it, and, and it goes to show you, they don't receive, they need to be in Leavenworth State Prison, State Penitentiary, the federal penitentiary of Leavenworth. That's what they need to spend the rest of their days as long as they're breathing on this earth. When they violated and trespassed and committed all types of criminal activity in the U.S. Capitol building. Now, I recently wrote a piece about what transpired and how we do live in two Americas. And what I mean by two Americas, there is a white America and there is a black America. Because if those pro if those people that came into that U.S. Capitol building that trespassed, if they were Black Lives Matter protesters or any other type of protesters, they would have been immediately met with tear gas, bullets. It would have been, it would have been too many casualties to count. Look what happened when they were peaceful, when, when BLM and other protesters peacefully protested near the White House. And because Donald Trump wanted to take a picture in front of a church that happened to be blocks away, instead of the police allowing the protesters to remain, they pushed them away. They used tear gas on them. They did everything they could to get them out of the way just so Donald Trump could take a photo op. But didn't do any of those type of things to those 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 domestic terrorists that that wrongfully entered into the United States Capitol building. So I'm going to read you a couple of things that I wrote called Two Americas because LeBron James said, hey, we're living in, in times of two Americas, which we've been living in those times ever since I could recall. So I wrote many domestic terrorists stormed the building and began vandalizing and destroying property. Many of the extremists were bold enough to take photos and break into many senators' offices, including House Speaker Nancy Pelosi. That insult to injury, many videos showed how the United States Capitol Police aided some of the extremists with entering the building and never once arrested or used any kind of violence against them. It is truly a tale of two Americas which sparked powerful comments from many NBA players that included Draymond Green, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, Daylon Brown, LaMarcus Aldridge, Anthony Davis, 
and Lakers LeBron James. Davis, who wore a Fear of a Black Planet t-shirt symbolizing a public enemy album, discussed the events of this week in a very particular fashion. Quote, my shirt? Yeah, it's definitely in relation to what's going on. Fear of a Black Planet. And it's funny how when Black Lives Matter protests and we want to get our point across being in the streets with peaceful protests, yet we get attacked, assaulted, and violence happens. On the other side, it's a double standard. An entire group runs into the nation's capital and gets escorted out of the front door like everything is okay. To which I said to Davis's point, double standards have been happening since black people were brought upon these shores and forced into slavery. But because of technology, society cannot witness more of these situations. However, we as black people and people of color are the ones unfortunately experiencing it on many levels in this country. And you know, it's, it's interesting because we thought when we had a new president coming into office in Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, we thought that, you know, change may have been on the horizon. But with the events that happened at the U.S. Capitol and the lack of justice uh, for now paralyzed Jacob Blake as a result of the police shooting of a non-threatening man. This is the same case where no charges were filed against Jacob Blake. Jacob Blake was shot in the back, I believe, seven times. But yet we continue to ask what has really changed. And when we do ask those questions, we get hit with all kind of opposition. Now, don't get me wrong. I do think America and let me put this in this context. I do think America has is a good country because it allows us the opportunity like this to express ourselves and to be able to express our views. Um, but there's a whole lot of flaws that overshadow that. Unfortunately, this country has a whole lot of flaws. It has a whole lot of racism it has a whole lot of blood over on its hands as a result of his actions towards people that are non-caucasian and that's part of the problem we still can't get justice for unarmed black and brown men and women at the hands of police and white extremists and, and what's interesting is that lebron james did raise the issue of many of us raise if we were black people heading into that building how much different would the outcome be as i mentioned earlier because the outcome would have been completely different. And this is what he said. This is what LeBron James had to say about regarding Donald Trump, which was very, very on point, like a decimal. He said, quote, he doesn't care about this country. He doesn't care about his family. He only cares about himself. Those tweets are what led to the events of yesterday, meaning last Wednesday. We just shitted away the last four years. And one thing we can't get back is time. He's the reason why our country is going to shit. Those weren't protesters. Those were terrorists in the Capitol, end quote. Not only did LeBron James touch a nerve, but he definitely hit the main vein of America with his words of truth and righteous conviction of a society that continues to allow the behavior of white supremacy to flourish in this time and space. His words were cleansing truth and were have been apropos to what we face as black people and people of color. Now, don't get me wrong. And then I want to be very, very clear when I say this, we have all suffered in this country from those. And I'm talking about people from the Jewish community, the Latino community, the Native American community, the Asian community and black community as well at the hands of supremacy. And the only song I can think about when I hear guys like LeBron James and Anthony Davis and guys that I mentioned, even Draymond Green, when he said his, his powerful words in his press conference. The only song I can listen to and hear in the background, if there was a soundtrack, 
will be Marvin Gaye's What's Going On. Because as powerful and potent as it was when Marvin Gaye first recorded that song, I believe back in the late 60s, or early 70s, is even more potent in today's society in 2021. Folks have got to get it together and have got to do better. Cannot continue to treat people less than or hate people because of the color of their skin or their gender or sexual orientation. We've got to do absolutely better. What I mean by we, those who are in a position to make changes. All right, y'all. That is my show for today. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, congrats. Let me say this before I get off the air. Congratulations to LaMelo Ball. Became the youngest uh, basketball player in the M in NBA history uh, to have to score a triple-double. So congratulations to him. I do believe that young man is coming along. Uh, we'll see. Again, I, I'm still giving it that window. I, I'm not dialing back. I'm still giving it that window, but I give credit where it's due. Uh, we'll see what happens mid-season where he is. All right. So thank you so much for tuning in to TMA with Nick Hamilton this week. Uh, if you missed any portion of this broadcast, again, make sure you download and subscribe to us on all streaming platforms. That's iCloud, excuse me, iTunes, <laughs> SoundCloud, Spotify, iHeartRadio, um, everywhere that you can get podcasts where they are recorded for free 99. Make sure you follow me on all things social media at Nick Hamilton LA. Thank you so much for tuning in. Until next time, stay sharp, be safe, take care. I'm out. The views and opinions expressed on TMA with Nick Hamilton, Extra Dose, are entirely those of the host, guests, and callers and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Slam Radio.